0: Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Andrew. I'm Emily. And I'm Chad Jennings.
1: Woo! Yeah, yeah. Where are you from, Chad?
2: <laughs> I'm from beautiful Ventura, California and, and uh, why
1: is your name and why does your name sound so familiar
2: uh i have no idea do you have roots in california <laughs>
1: no but i feel like there's a guitar company
2: a guitar company i wonder who you're talking about nah <laughs>
0: <laughs> i, I definitely build
2: guitars
0: today joining us we've got chad jennings from the company jennings guitars oh yeah and i'm just super hyped because I. Uh, I grew up in Southern California, little known fact, but most of my childhood was spent in a small town not too far off from Ventura, and it's just super exciting to have someone from the Central Coast on the show. Makes yeah.
2: me really happy. I'm excited,
1: and it's really funny to have you on the show because um, earlier this month, this episode will I drop on Christmas, but earlier this month we released an episode about our dream guitars, and you all you all popped up.
2: No way. Yeah,
0: yeah. actually.
1: I
2: would love to hear more about that that little <laughs> section.
0: Yeah, but it was before you um we even had started talking about having you on the show. We had already had you on our radar and I have both of us are a huge fan of dog hair finishes.
2: Oh, yeah. Dog hair's fun. I feel like every time I do it it's a battle to get it to come out the way I want.
1: Oh, I mean I I've uh, done one and it is Did you? Oh my gosh.
0: I remember the first time I saw a guitar with the dog hair finish. It was at a, uh, the Guitar Center on Sunset Strip. No and way. I picked up by uh, an Epiphone, um, was it Coronet? Yeah. Uh, the Silver Fox finish, and I just thought it was the coolest flipping thing. I was like, whoa, the pores like stand out in a weird way, but it's not like a stained guitar. Mm-hmm. It was so it just really loved how it looked, and I'm, anything with the name Fox in it, I'm a huge fan of. My last name. <laughs> means fox in french uh ah. so i have a i have a particular attachment there and so i saw that i was like whoa that's super cool it looked cool the name was cool i mean it was just yeah so someday i would love to own one of those but
2: well we might have to make that happen we might we might but yeah the first question i get asked about dog hair is, is like oh how did you paint that on here was like uh no that wasn't painted that's natural wood with grain filler <laughs> and that's the effect.
1: <laughs> I would love to talk to you about that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's talk a little bit about your company.
2: That's a big question. Um it's a journey, isn't it? It's a journey. I think just like all good long journeys, they start with a passion for something and mine was uh, it's always been like crafting things and building things. So guitar making came naturally with a growing passion for music in middle school and um many years later I found myself working lots of hours building things with strings (laughs) and uh yeah i don't know my kind of my philosophy is i want to build the best guitar i can because i'm fascinated with the nuances of what makes a guitar and just the enjoyment of always progressing and pushing forwards so it's kind of like my main build philosophy and then i don't know just build guitars that inspire people so that's like i don't know it's bare bones of the company and then from there You constantly challenge yourself, and as you challenge yourself, your art shows, and then, I don't know, people kind of gravitate to it, and it's a long journey, (laughs) and it's only just begun.
1: It's only just begun. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: Now that I might edit out.
0: No, if if you can't edit out your own singing, okay, every once (laughs) in a while, I... A couple times recently, I've busted out in a really off-key rendition of a song that's... Um,
1: it was Bob Marley earlier in the day.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was awkward.
1: Uh, <laughs> that was great. I listened to it later.
0: <laughs> it's And it's never on key. I swear, I'm capable of singing. I'm not a great singer, but I'm capable of it. Every time I do it on the podcast, it just comes out awful. So if... if I don't get edited out. I think Emily doesn't get edited out. I okay. think is that fair? That's
1: fair. <laughs> I might edit out everything you said after I sang. I'm just
0: uh, kidding. I'm no, so you have to leave that. You leave have to all. remind people. I think you have to remind people that I sing Bob Marley. <sighs>
1: <laughs> they, ha- they haven't heard that episode yet. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um they will have to wait. Just something to look forward to, something to live for. Um yeah, but How much you tell us, I mean, I've been looking at your website, and I really love the shapes of your guitars, and of course the finishes.
0: And of course you have an offset, so by default we just love you. Yeah. Yeah, we do have one offset. I want to make more offsets, I just, I don't know.
2: (laughs) There's like, I feel like there's a hundred guitars you can design, but you only end up using like four of them. But yeah, why offset? because people love them, and because they look awesome, kind of my, the designs that we've come up with is um, just kind of simple, classic lines, um, stuff that occupies the same visual real estate as kind of your vintage go-to stuff, but um, it's still fresh in some of its more simplified lines, and um, modernized in a few different ways, um, but yeah, I found it difficult to design guitars that do look good but aren't exactly replicas of the past guitars and
0: right because everybody can do a strat copy
2: yeah and my whole thing is like what makes a guitar timeless and i think looking at a lot of the the classic or vintage guitars that are still around today you look at a strat it's like it's still so relevant which is so strange because it's was it going on like 70 years or something like that
0: something like, yeah, years i mean i've got so, one hanging on my wall right in front of me right now so yeah so just try, try to keep it classic and simple and um yeah it's kind of that's awesome what i do all right so i i'm, I'm gonna be that guy but be I that like guy being way too humble dude um because i i did a little bit of research into some of your background your history and you're you're legit you you've got training and you went to school for this and you learned from some people who have some storied reputations in the gear industry and connections with more and whatnot. And I just, can you tell me a little bit more about, I just want to live vicariously through (laughs) the experience that you had because one part jealous and three parts, incredibly fascinated.
2: Yeah. Um, Shoot. I'll kind of start with my schooling background. So, or lack thereof really. Um, So I started, Originally going to college for fire technology, I wanted to be a firefighter, and the whole reason I want to do that, even taking a step further, when I was in ninth grade, I told my dad, I want to build guitars, and I want to do this full time, and um, so we looked up kind of what a luthier makes on average, and it was like $40,000, and my dad's like, "Mm, maybe let's find a way that you can do that on the side, so I thought was like, okay, be a firefighter, a lot of times you have 24 ons, 24 offs, on your off day you can build, so, um, long story short, taking fire tech classes, I actually enjoy most of the stuff. But um, I was finding that in my fire tech classes, I was reading forums on like, what makes a better guitar, what materials to use, if I do this, what happens then? How do guitar amps work? How to modify tube amps? And I'm just like, okay, uh, apparently I need to change <laughs> career paths. And then um, so I was like, okay, I'll go to school for engineering, and then uh, start getting into calculus and. I really struggle with calculus. So I'm like, well, (laughs) engineering is kind of heavily rooted on calculus. So that's not going to work. That's kind
0: of like the basis of it.
2: And then I was like, after I failed a calculus class and I was like, okay, I'm going to switch to doing kind of just a general business. And um, I like, I was like, oh my gosh, I need calculus for business too. (laughs) I was sitting in that class and I was like, I'm done. I was like a week into that class and I Looked for guitar building schools, and I put together a plan and kind of submitted it to my dad because I was living at my parents' house at the time. And I said, "Dad, I'm going to do this." And he's like, "All right." <laughs> so, um, what was it? Summer of 2013, I spent time with two different acoustic making luthiers. The first one was in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, which was the one you're referring to with a uh, Dale Unger of American Archtop. Um, I learned how to build an archtop acoustic in a week-long course that he had there. And um, yeah, kind of Dale's history is, he actually used to work for, oh shoot, I can't even remember his name now. Big archtop maker, Bob Benedetto. He kind of apprenticed under Bob Benedetto. And then, uh, and I believe Bob was from Nazareth, Pennsylvania. But um, yeah, so he worked there and then eventually he started his own guitar making practice which is an american which is the brand of american arch top and um at one point he was working with martin guitars and actually making arch tops for martin or at least designed a line that martin did i want to say in the 90s mm-hmm. so yeah that was a great course um nazareth pennsylvania is beautiful it's just a small town um but it's got a lot of history being as old as it is and actually he has the ideal luthier shop so he's got a traditional he purchased a rundown traditional like church mm-hmm. the main level where like the i don't know sanctuary
0: was um like the pews and the pulpit and all that yeah the pews were pulled
2: out but a uh, stage is still there and actually can be used for sound and stage stuff um and then they also converted that area and there's like a kitchen in there so like some guy lived there at one point and then uh, crazy in the basement is a guitar shop so you have you have room for a stage. You've got a kitchen. There's like a loft, and I'm just like, dude, you guys scored. He told me he paid something stupid cheap for it, and I'm just like, I wish this would happen in Southern California.
0: <laughs> right. But, uh,
2: that's a long goose or uh, rabbit trail, but uh, yeah. So I went there, and then later that summer, I worked with another builder by the name of Jay Lichty in North Carolina. He builds incredible arch, or uh, flat top acoustics, and I took a flat top class with him. So that was kind of that. And then around that time, once I got back from these classes, I started doing just random guitar building and repair at my parents' house um, more frequently. Uh, I was doing some before, but we ended up building a, a shed to devote to it instead of like pulling out tools out of the garage, into the driveway, into the woodworking. It was like all sanctioned in a shed. And then, uh, yeah, the summer after that, or the summer to fall, I went to... Uh, Gallup School of Luthery in Michigan and took their course there and got a certificate in guitar making and repair. And uh, that was fun. I went through, built an acoustic while I was there, an electric, and um, yeah, after that came back and opened the Jennings Guitar Shop.
0: Well, consider me impressed.
2: Yeah, it was fun, long journey. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know, like how do you get trained up in building guitars? It's like, it's one of those where they can teach you as much as they can, Mm -hmm. but you really just have to do it and you have to make mistakes yeah mm-hmm. and lots of oh them. i
1: made mistakes with that uh that one time oh. i tried to do the, the yeah. dog hair finish on that piece of mahogany and i had to completely redo the front because i just i just sanded back a little bit too far
2: oh isn't that aggravating
1: oh so, yeah. yeah you take the finish with it and you're like ah no I was so close
2: yes and then gosh, you try to touch up and you're just like oh you can't oh you
1: cannot touch up that dog hair finish it oh. is it's very satisfying when it works um gosh i would have to imagine that's that's an upcharge when you do it i would hope
2: yeah we do i just recently raised it because i'm like it it just takes me so much more time than yeah. what it is like me it, being a it cheap took
1: me like four hours yeah
2: yeah it's insane yeah. And then there's prep for it and you gotta i don't know make enough allowance if you do have to strip the finish too mm-hmm. and
1: Ugh. yeah it's gorgeous when it turns out i don't think there's anything more beautiful yeah it's thank so you worth
0: yeah it. it's- i saw that mint chip one that you did Ooh, yeah. um, recently i was just like
1: oh my god a good
2: one. it's so good looking yeah i just i don't know if you saw any of the more recent ones that we've done i actually just posted it like today or no it was earlier this week um it is a white dog hair uh voyager deluxe
1: i I saw that yeah with the natural
2: brown sides and the roasted maple neck oh man that Mm -hmm. one came out so good that was one of those where you're like yeah all of them should turn out like this
1: (laughs) that's a handsome guitar
2: (laughs) thank you but yeah little dog hair Mm -hmm. i don't know that's a question for you guys what what finishes should we do kind
0: of what what should i look into
1: dog hair well
0: what finishes i want what finishes you should uh invest your business into doing are two different questions andrew
1: wants so. a pink dog hair
0: you want a pink dog hair shell pink dog hair with a tortoise shell pick guard
2: what color grain fill that i don't know i have a black i have that combo with black grain fill coming out in about a week or two it'll
1: right, it be, it
2: be manufactured or I, I just need to do a final buff on it in assembly but that's what we're doing we did a pair of uh it's got a strat trim on it and it's got a ronin roni ronin ronin like uh foil buckers you know those big old pickups
0: i don't know if i'm familiar with that oh they're massive i've seen on water slide does i think i want to say does the double gold foil yeah Um, that's just gigantic i actually just
2: talked to that guy not too long ago he's kind of looking for some like cnc help
0: well, yeah. Send me a picture of that. I, 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 it's one of those things where, like, I imagine it's gonna look really good in my head, but I'm really scared to see what it's actually gonna look like, and just have my dreams dashed. Yeah. But, no, I, would love to do something like that, like with a tortoiseshell binding. I'm a sucker for binding.
2: You know, I did
0: the tortoiseshell binding on that one,
2: and I did the uh, authentic nitrate tortoiseshell. Ooh, that was. Um, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> How was the shipping cost on that?
2: You know, there is a supplier that either it doesn't go through their system but it just shipped normal
1: oh wow
2: we quoted out a lot of them in order to find that Yeah. <laughs> oh, i'm man. not gonna say who or what yeah please don't. Don't, don't ruin the fun for but, everybody um but anyways the stuff glues on really nicely it's really easy to work with until you sand it so basically guitar is final sanded right um you got to be careful like, even hand sanding creates enough friction to, I want to say, open and off-gas the nitrate. So, basically, oh, crazy. I had, it was on the neck, right? So, I bound a neck, I, I sanded it, final sanded it, put my coats of lacquer on Oh, this is doing great. I came back um, a week or two later because it was still sitting on the drying rack, and the binding had shrunk enough where I could feel the edges of the fretboard, or the neck, not the fretboard, but the neck,
1: Man,
2: where the binding had shrunk in, so uh, this, this is actually for that dog hair shell pink one I'm doing right now. I went back through and kind of scuff sanded those areas really lightly, and it's actually good now. But I'm like, ooh, wow, this is this is not cool, it's touchy, yeah. So I'm on the fence about using that stuff in the future mm-hmm. because of its uh, lack of consistency. I mean, that's totally fair, but it I'm not gonna lie, it's some of the most beautiful stuff I've ever used for binding by far.
1: That sounds really nice. (laughs) I just don't want to heavy breathe into the microphone, so I'm going to put the Instagram away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's definitely... You've got some drool-worthy stuff. Speaking
1: of drool-worthy stuff, (laughs) uh, this episode is brought to you by Lambertone Pickups. Um, I have a pair of Jazzmaster Cremas that I bought that I cannot wait to put in one of my offsets. Um, I'm probably going to do a video of that, but yep. uh, Curtis is a sponsor of the show. He's a great guy who makes great pickups. And if you love your jazz master, but you don't roll with those single coils, um, there aren't a lot of options out there that I think are as good as uh, his... um, humbucking jazz master cremas
0: yeah i couldn't agree more i i this kills it so i i just got my king of tone yesterday super excited i just plugged it in today and it was playing uh through it with some cremas and i just Ooh. it was in the war like in the best way possible i was frustrated because i'm sitting here I'm like this sounds so good but how much of this is the king of tone and how much of this is the cremas because i know how good the cremas sound it just was driving me nuts. Um, but, yeah, it was just uh, absolute tone heaven over here with the crimbas I, I swear I don't hardly plug in any other guitar mm-hmm. these days. It's ruined me.
2: I know the guys at Worship Tutorials, if anyone listens into them, they just rave about those pickups.
0: Yeah, Brian just did that Uh, the Epiphone. Yeah. Uh, the Goldtop.
2: Ask- rebuild. Yeah. He's asking me to build a guitar
0: for him with those pickups in it.
1: Do it. Do it.
0: So, I might have to take him up on it. Do it. We'll connect you with Curtis. He's a great guy. Yeah. I could not say enough good things about him. Totally. All right. Well, let's let's pop into uh, the topic today. We're just going to jump right in and I'll open it up. So, today we're going to get into a, uh, a discussion that some folks have had before. Is it
1: about cats? Um, I,
0: it's not about cats. Ooh, I like um, cats. Mainly dogs. Yeah, I, I guess before – Okay. Hmm. I I agree with Chad. I know I've been masquerading as a cat lover this whole time, and not that I don't love cats, but at heart I'm a dog person. I, I just I, I feel like I need to confess, um, to everyone listening to the show before they, they I, I feel like I ruined their childhoods with a lie. This is this is
1: confession corner with Andrew Bernard. <laughs> yes.
0: Lots of confessions. You've you've got me on the ropes. Um. So he's a drummer,
1: right. and he's a dog person.
0: Yep. All right. So today's topic, we're going to talk about the relationship between manufacturing techniques and the price tags. And if you just heard that and said, Ooh, E, uh, you know, I'm going to go and turn this off. Bear with us for a second. I promise this is about to get a little scandalous and a little hairy, and we're going to get into it with Chad. And I think this is going to be great. Yeah. So the premise of this is I've heard this conversation over the years, in a number of different ways with the idea of how you make it, where you make it um, and how that, that that is attached to the price tag of a guitar. And so if you have a guitar that's completely built from hand or not from hand by hand um, from start to finish, then it's worth X amount of dollars. I mean, for something like that, we're looking at probably four, in the four 4k range. Um, but if you, if someone, A builder uses machinery to help get help along the process. Well, you know, maybe they shouldn't be charging as much or it's not as good of a product even um, or some of the accusations. And um, yeah, I just kind of want to start there that I'm not saying that's how I feel about it, but we're going to jump into it from that perspective of this is a conversation that's been had and we're going to embark on a fun little journey here where we get to talk about this with Chad. Who builds guitars does an excellent job of it, and I just really want to pick his brain. We're gonna get into it. How's that sound? I'm stoked, honestly. Questions, comments, <laughs> concerns. Uh, when can I start? I I just I just so happy to hear someone else say stoked. Not me, not have me being the only dude from California be like, yeah, dude, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to go surf at Sh- surf beach,
2: actually. baby shark dude um everyone look it up surf beach
0: um great white i'll
2: put it in the show notes yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that's the kind of stuff i grew up i watch shark week i'm like oh i know that beach oh oh oh
1: no oh man
0: (laughs) never going back to that beach again oh gosh. all right all right chad so guitar making that's what we're talking about yes i just laid all of that out and i know you use cnc machines i am i am i am a bad boy
2: you're terrible machines in my shop actually it's singular (laughs) i only have one but (laughs) yeah guitars um what are they they're made of wood they make music they're amazing and we all love them uh most importantly is it's made out of wood and um does it matter how it got its shape? I really don't think it does uh, in my experience, but I think what's the most important is the QC quality control on every level and step of the build process. And that starts, and I cannot stress this enough, with the wood, with the best sounding woods are usually quarter sawn woods that are straight grained. That just gives you the best tone, best tone for your neck, bodies for electric guitars. If you can get them quarter sawn, that's great. Um,
1: and yeah, what does that mean, quarter zone?
2: Oh, thank you. <laughs> this is how engrossed I am into my, my own industry. So uh, your tree has its growth rings, right? If you had a tree cut, I guess. Uh,
0: like a bunch of concentric circles.
2: Exactly. So looking at that, if you were to make saw cuts through those concentric circles, um, you're trying to cut it like a pie. You're trying to quarter it up and basically when you have your neck blank right and you're looking at the end grain on it you want those lines to be vertical that's called quarter sawn um typically you see flat sawn wood which um the grain lines are going to be parallel to the thickness of the board does that make sense
1: yes i think i think so
2: and when you like do your research on it basically the quarter sawn material is stiffer um from what I've found from picking up and dropping pieces of wood, like so a maple piece that's about the same size that's quarter sawn versus flat sawn, it tends to have more of a bell-like tone. It rings better. It rings longer. It has more snap and a more, uh, direct or, uh, instantaneous response, um, or presence to it. So it's not as soggy. Exactly. It's got a, just a beautiful attack to it. So starting with quarter sawn wood is really important. Um, and like I said, I don't. I use CNC, so clearly I'm an advocate for it. If I thought anything else, I would go the other way. But in my opinion, CNC makes it more consistent. Um, and
1: what is CNC?
2: CNC is, by definition, it's computer numeric control. So that's you draw on the computer the shape, and then um, which is called your CAD program, computer aided drawing, and then you bring it into a CAM, computer aided milling. program, program where you tell your tool where to go and how to cut out that piece of wood or so it's almost like the
1: opposite of a 3d printer
2: oh my gosh that analogy is so relevant to our generation but it's I know I'm like trying to tell that to someone who's in their 50s or 60s they get it but it's like not the first thing they think of
1: (laughs) they get like automatic router
2: yeah yeah Yeah. people get that more yeah so I, I spend a lot of time programming the machine to cut out guitars consistently and it takes some time to kind of work with your machine to get the final cut the way you want it so you don't have to sand and spend as much time Um, but it also takes a while to dial in the shape of the neck you know when you're shaping by hand you you're able to do it entirely by hand so for me i spent a lot of time figuring out what's the right neck shape and also bear in mind like off the cnc the guitar is like 80 percent of the way done you still have another twenty percent to finish it, being sanding, um, you know, fretting, and like what we do is we roll the fretboard edge to make it smooth and and just feel nice in your hand. And but all those appointments are done by hand, so like the final neck shape is really hand shaped to something that's comfortable that I feel is comfortable and nimble for guitar playing. So,
0: so, so you're telling me that I I I
2: shouldn't be complaining. Shouldn't be complaining, man. <laughs>
0: Well, (laughs) okay, but what if I want you to cut down the tree yourself, and then I want you to hand quarter saw it?
1: And I want you to uh, put it in your shed and let it age for six years?
0: Oh, I can totally do that. It will probably cost you about $20,000. I I just want (sighs) to make sure that this is handmade. (gasps) Yeah. In in the USA. Handmade in the USA
2: with only hand tools. No power.
0: No power whatsoever. I expect you That to includes
2: you, you rode your bike to receive the material or had a horse and buggy. I was
1: about right? to say, a bicycle, is that's some advanced technology. Yeah, that's pretty
0: advanced, actually. Yeah,
1: That's pretty modern technology.
0: Wheels, yeah. Ooh, we're going to have to talk about that. We'll just float it down the river and I'll get it up when it comes downstream. And then you'll have a Stradivarius. Exactly. That's how it
2: works, right? <laughs> you put it in the river and out comes a... Wonderfully, beautifully handcrafted violin, right
0: or guitar, whatever yeah. you choose. I, I'm just being snarky at this point, but <laughs> oh man, no, I, I definitely tend to, agree. I definitely agree with you on that. Just because I don't know, like I, I, I haven't built a guitar myself, but I've done work, woodworking and stuff, and I know that ninety-eight percent of the time, the saw cuts are never the f- like you don't ever leave it that. There's yeah. always sanding to be done, and there's always finishing touches and i actually kind of like the idea of uh this idea of consistency and the quality control that you can get with that
2: yeah
0: Um, i mean to echo back a a few episodes back when we interviewed curtis from Lambertones. yeah and he was talking about this idea of uh how his pickups are machine wound and i initially thought i was like wow i drove all the way out here to talk to someone who winds his pickups with a machine i feel so ripped off Right. After getting to talk to him about it, I'm like, "Oh, actually, if that means that you can get your uh, your levels to be way more consistent from each unit to unit to unit, just down to a science, why are we so hung up on the not necessarily handmade, but the the that it has to be done a certain way at the expense of that kind of quality?" I yeah. Think-
1: i wonder if it's this idea of like artisanship and um like i I think that's just such a big thing especially with our generation is you know small batch this artisan that and it's like an
0: etsy kind of thing yeah it's like that that personal touch
1: but i mean is that doesn't always make it a better product yeah it's
0: it's
2: a hard line to walk um because it's all in the finishing touches, and whether it's CNC or handmade, it's like you can and fit and finish.
1: And it's his uh, testing, it's his rigorous testing and like changing one thing at a time and putting it in yeah. the guitar. And let's do it all again. And
0: um, yeah.
1: like he's still the one doing that. It's not like he found some formula on the internet, plugged it into his uh, computer made a machine and is charging people exorbitant amounts of money for something that was open source. He's doing all of that front work and he has this process that enables, you know, to make sure that what you hear in demos is what you're getting in reality. Yeah. And all
0: of that to be said, my understanding from what I've seen on your website and prices is that you actually offer some awfully competitive prices and that's grabbed Thank my you. attention. Um, because, as much as I'd love to spend four thousand dollars on a on a custom guitar, or five thousand dollars, or uh, some of the things I've seen, uh, like for like a Fender Custom Shop, yeah, I don't have that kind of coin. Yeah, I just don't.
1: How much are um, what? What is the range
2: for Fender Custom Shop? No, or? no,
1: no, for Jennings,
2: our Voyager solid body starts at twenty one hundred, and you can option it up from there, um, and then our semi hollows, either Voyager Deluxe or Catalina, they. Uh, start at 24 and go up but we just introduced our navigator which is yes our telly model for those who love teles um, it's a very basic model um, and there's a few options you can change at this point but it starts at 1500
1: wow that's um, very reasonable
0: 1500 is like the uh the american-made fender price point yeah. right now is it
2: i've even heard it's up to 1650 unfortunately i haven't even done my research to see how much american fenders are going for but um yeah so but it's like we're still getting the same play and feel as our voyager and catalina it's just tellies there's something about a telly in its since it's simplicity in design that i was able to cut enough time out of the equation to maintain a high quality guitar at a lower price point with high quality
1: sound
0: so to me it was kind Which of a no-brainer super cool yeah i'm all about that and so, th- I mean, those are super competitive prices.
1: They are, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't...
0: I'm not someone who has a ton of uh, expendable money, yeah. but that's that's awfully tempting. Yeah. So,
2: that's what I do. I'm, I'm a firm believer in keeping things cheap and well-made. Um, it kind of blows my mind that the guitars are actually as expensive as they are. I wish I could make them cheaper, but <laughs> if I make them any cheaper, I probably won't be able to afford to eat. <laughs> So
0: which is important. Yeah.
2: If uh, you're it. gonna keep me around, I should probably
0: eat some food. <laughs> At least a little bit. Um but yeah. Just in and out two or three times a week, that should keep you going. Oh right? dude, that's way too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, God, I miss in and out so much, dude.
2: It's it's good. I think there's other things. My appetite has changed since I've gotten married to much more simple foods. Because mm. that's all we can afford and that's all we have time to make is simple stuff. But uh, yeah, a lot of rice and beef. Ground beef mm. with some rice, good jasmine rice and coconut oil.
1: A lot Ooh. of eggs. Eggs,
2: yeah. We, we have a top ramen hack that we nice. do. It's, it's top ramen in like chicken broth. And then you uh, poach two eggs Ooh. in it. And it's really yummy. That does sound tasty. Mm. It's the budget food hack.
0: As long as you don't think too hard about the fact that you're, like, boiling unborn
1: They're not, (laughs) they're not, they're not fertilized.
0: Exactly. That's why I said eggs, not zygotes. Let's be fair here. That's true. That's true. I mean... Andrew has a good point. But, uh, I mean, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I mean... Neither. Ooh. (laughs) Existential crisis ensuing. Yep. I'm going to go cry into a pillow. Be right back.
1: <laughs> oh, I have not even begun. Well, um, I just want to say to you guys, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. As this episode will air, well, it will drop on Christmas, though so I imagine most people won't listen to it until the day after. Um, and when I think about Christmas, I think about eight year old Emily getting her first guitar uh, on Christmas yes. morning. There's photographic evidence. I'll try to find it.
2: Emily, what was that guitar?
1: Oh, it was just some little classical guitar. It wasn't anything fancy. Do you remember it still? Yeah, I definitely remember it. But um, Do you have it still? No. Uh. No, but I, I learned more on my mom's old Epiphone Acoustic. Okay. And I guess she would prefer me to call it Vintage Epiphone Acoustic. <laughs> um, and she, she still has that. So that's, that was my big learning guitar, my learning yeah. acoustic guitar. I'm not nostalgic about things like first guitars. Uh, my first electric guitar, I sold at a yard sale and I think, I hope some girl used it to start a band. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm kind of the same way. I, I do have the first guitar I made, but I sold like the first guitars that were like purchased and like given to me. Um
0: but yeah, I have the opposite problem. I hold on to everything I can. It's, to me it's just stuff. It's almost <laughs> It's almost to the point where it's a pro- I don't know. I get I've moved,
1: I know you've moved a lot. I mean, I've I've moved a lot and that's kind of made me a little less nostalgic. Though really the guitars when we moved to Seattle from Nashville, um the guitars were the pretty much the only reason we didn't just get rid of all of our furniture and start fresh. Yep. Because we would ne- we needed to rent a van anyway. Uh, yep.
0: Yeah, we had that when we moved from LA up here to Seattle. But no, I'm just I, I'm not not like I'm uh, attached to my guitars and, and my equipment in like an unhealthy kind of way. Um, and I maybe I'm wrong. You guys can decide, um, listeners. Please, if you think I'm on crack here. Call me out on it. Maybe I need an intervention. Um, But I don't know. I've moved around so much, especially in the last decade. I mean, golly, since I graduated high school, I haven't lived in one spot for more than 15 months. Um, So I'm just constantly bouncing around. And it's just that's something that I just bring with me everywhere is my guitars is just like one of the constants I have. And so that's just part of what keeps me grounded. And I've just got so much history with different of the different shows I've played with different guitars i've got and yeah totally. so that's kind of my, my my stick with it is it's a little time portal for me that i connect with each one individually that's cool the they've all got their own mojo
1: yeah meanwhile i i uh sent to a friend the first like parts caster i ever put together i just nostalgia. like i have a lot of guitars but um i don't think it's nostalgia that's making me keep them what about you guys you ever get any awesome guitar related Christmas gifts
2: I my first real guitar was uh, a Christmas tree find I'll call it um, I woke up when Santa brought me a Gibson SG I didn't know if Santa was uh, had cahoots over at the Gibson factory but uh definitely one showed up in my house so that was pretty awesome
1: oh man you must have been a very good boy that year
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear skepticism there. I feel like you pulled the wool over sometimes. Um,
2: I could be classified as stubborn, um, strong-willed, um, independent thinker. All those things that are great qualities, maybe minus stubbornness, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Coupled with love from... Look at your
0: family, and Aww. you come out pretty good eventually. Great. Yeah. yeah, I've been there before, know, uh, more so on the receiving end of the grace because I, I need extra doses of it. But and I'm jealous. That's that's super. Yeah, cool. I was I think blown away. My big my big gear gift was, uh, um not christmas related but tax return season so not not far off but uh, my first drum set oh, yeah. was a, a tax return yes. present uh, and i played that until um i sold it when i was in college finally um but that was a heartbreaker to see go but couldn't there didn't it's, have space for it that was just that's my brother's story
2: for the listeners who don't know my brother Kyle and Andrew went to the same college in about the same years, have all the same friends but never really met. <laughs> That's
0: I know so who wild. Is. I've I like I saw, looked him up on Facebook. I saw photos of him like, Yeah, we've got so many mutual friends and like he was he had gone to a wedding this last summer, no. like all of the, uh, the groomsmen the yeah. friends of mine. I'm like, Oh my yeah. god, what the heck? I'd just be curious to see, like I was really quiet in college, I'd be curious to see if your brother recognized me if you pulled up a face. Like he
2: a might. He's a photo. sweet guy. He's like loud and outspoken, but he loves people.
0: You're, you're saying, yeah, your he like
2: played drums forever. He and I would like practice in my bedroom. My poor parents. <laughs> he would play drums and sold his drum set going off to college, and now he's still living down there. He's like, dude, I want to get drum set again so bad. <laughs> I'm like, do it, man, do it, do it. Yeah, he and his roommates play. A bunch of music, more worship type stuff together. But uh yeah. He's like, Man, I wanna build that shed in the backyard again. We'll get the drums in there and we'll have band practice, man. <laughs> I am like, Yes.
1: I miss it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fellas, it's been real. It's Oh, it is late. late. Um Yes, it is late. Or is it early?
0: It's late for adulthood. It's not late for college, but those Long those years all are, of us. <laughs> are past us. Now.
1: Oh, speak for yourself, Andrew. I wasn't. An, I was a 10 p.m. in bed kind of guy in college. You mean gal? Oh, I know.
0: I uh, no, I. just
1: I try had... I try to keep it. Try to keep. It, I also had um, 8 m 8 a.m. accounting classes. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Uh. See, I, I for multiple semesters, not every semester, but multiple semesters, my sleep schedule was. Uh, about 3 or 4 a.m. and i'd get up at 7 go to classes and then um, a couple different semesters where i didn't have any afternoon classes i would take a nap from after lunch from like 1 to 5 (laughs) and that was was just two like four hour blocks and that was it
1: were you a vampire
0: most productive well because then i'd get up at 5 i would go eat dinner with everybody we'd hang out go to the movies or whatever and then everybody would start crashing out around midnight and i'd get my homework done in a three four hour block that, after that.
2: actually kind of makes so sense like, in a college scenario
0: it worked great for me it was some of the most productive years of my life i had a great time wow um but no way i could get away with it. oh my that, gosh no, no.
1: unfortunately well, we are all getting older and we all need to sleep getting old and crazy <laughs> oh gosh so many things so many things are popping and cracking
0: oh it's great
1: Ugh. oh yeah well, um, Chad, again, thank you so much for, for joining us. We w- we really hope to have you on the show again sometime to talk. I'd
2: love to. I, Sean, I really yeah. enjoyed this.
1: Yeah. You guys can have a whole episode that's just about um how to get from one place in California to another. Yeah,
2: all those different freeway numbers that don't mean anything to anyone other than people from California.
0: <laughs> You're from L.A., right? Kind
2: of. I'm just north of it. <laughs> I, call, I call my location the greater L.A. area. I grew up in a Gora Hills or like Thousand Oaks area, if you know that.
0: Yeah, I'm familiar so with the area. It's
2: like not LA, but you're like literally 10 minutes from it. So it pretty much right is. on the edge. Right. But yeah, guys, thank you. Seriously. Absolutely.
1: Thank you. And to everyone who's been listening, thanks for listening and thanks for understanding. We'll see you all soon. Awesome.
0: See you on the flippity floppity. Bye. Bye. <laughs>